Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. My name is Leah M., Recovered Compulsive Overeater, and the moderator for this morning. Today is Sunday, August 22nd, 2021. The Sure ID numbers for Friday, August the 20th, or the following, for the 7 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 17,601. That's 17601. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Big Book Study, 17,602. That's 17602. This morning, A Vision for You presents... Step four, out of the dark. Step four made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. The fourth step brings us to a specific course of action that the big book describes as vigorous. The self-searching of the fourth step is the means by which we begin to bring new vision and light upon the dark and negative side of our natures. We want to find out what it is about ourselves that needs to change to have a more serene and productive life. To achieve that goal and emerge out of the dark, we have to examine our lives and the negative characteristics, the character defects that have caused us so much pain. Our goal is to root out the causes of our living problems in order to face and to be rid of the things in ourselves which have been blocking us from the sunlight of God's Spirit. We have embarked on a 12-step program of action that will restore us to sanity. That restoration, however, depends on our willingness to look at ourselves realistically and to endure the pain associated with facing what we have become. Our compulsive overeating was but a symptom. We have to bring light on the causes and conditions. We have to emerge out of the dark. Joining us today to share their experience with the Step 4 inventory process are three recovered compulsive overeaters. We have Lisa J.R. from Maryland, Kathy S., who resides in Georgia, and Betsy H. from California. So without further ado... I welcome panelist number one, Lisa J.R. Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, Leah, and good morning, everybody. I'm Lisa J.R., gratefully recovered by God's grace, one day at a time, outside of Baltimore, Maryland, and I am going to start my watch. Um, I love the description that Leah gave about step four, casting a light over the things in our nature that causes failure and unhappiness and the process of step four examining that. For the sake of time, I'm going to give a little abbreviated history of my dysfunctional behavior, and it goes something like this. Um, I wasn't a sipper. I was a guzzler. 
I wasn't a nibbler. I scarfed my food like a junkyard dog. I didn't save. Money burned a hole in my pocket. I did everything with wide open gusto until the bottle, shopping bags, bakery boxes, relationships, and checking accounts were empty. You get the picture. If a little was good, more was better. Full throttle, balls to the wall living. <laughs> so to the newcomer or adult child out there, if uh, step four seems like a cruel exercise in self-flagellation, easy does it. It is so much more than the pinprick that lets the air out of our prideful balloons. I used to think when I first came in that step four was a harsh spotlight that would expose my offensiveness to the world. I thought I'd be more humiliated than I already was and end up feeling worse than I already did, but it was quite the contrary. I believed that what the 12 and 12 says on page 49, pride says you need not pass this way and fear says you dare not look. I've realized over the years that I haven't done anything or thought anything that someone else hasn't done or thought. Anyway, when I came in, I was so desperate and willing to go through the inventory process. And partly that was because I wanted what I heard on the voices of the people on this line. They had a real command of their emotions and a steadiness about them. I wanted that even more than I wanted to lose weight. Nowadays, I see step four more like a searchlight than a spotlight that has come to lead me and my fellow travelers out of the darkness and into the light. When I came in here and I could, I could talk about it, you know, uh, at great length, but I was in a tremendous pit, a, a dark place for a long time, small, tight, dark box. Um, but all the voices on this line punched holes through the darkness, letting the light in for me. And I really was hungry to get what they had. So God, in his loving kindness, had this prodigal daughter climb the 12 steps to get out of the pit. I can tell you that. Before recovery, my magical, magnifying, obsessive mind took me to some really, really dark places. I did my best to look like everybody else on the outside, but there was an omnipresent sense of inadequacy and worthlessness on my inside at all times. Like many of you out there, I suffered shame, abandonment, rejection, and emotional neglect in my early years. As the fifth of six kids, I adapted to my circumstances and learned self-sufficiency. My very broken para-alcoholic parents did the best they could with what they had, and I love them for it. But their marriage was tumultuous. They were either intoxicated by rage or love, depending on the weather, and it made for an, un, an emotionally unstable childhood. You were always straddling a treacherous fault. One small shift in the sand and boom, the bottom would fall out. So like most kids, I wanted to feel safe and loved. When that didn't happen in the traditional way, I set out to make it happen. I learned to adapt and feel powerful in my self-sufficiency. I thought my survival instincts would keep me safe and secure. 
After all, I thought God helps those who help themselves. Finally, when control failed me, I thought that anger would insulate me from being hurt. But it didn't. It just hurt more. I still kept fighting my way through life. If life was going to beat me up, then by God, life was going to bleed. On page two of the big book, Bill Wilson describes alcohol as a weapon he commenced to forge that would one day turn on its flight like a boomerang and all but cut him to ribbons. That is precisely what my anger did to me. Here's the truth. Anger is the acid that does more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than on anything to which it is poured. I know because when I came here, I was rotting on the inside. I never realized these warped skills might be inappropriate in my adulthood. I'm going to read from page 42 of the 12 and 12. Top of the page. Creation gave us instincts for a purpose. Without them, we wouldn't be complete human beings. If men and women didn't exert themselves to be secure in their persons, made no effort to harvest food or construct shelter, there would be no survival. If they didn't reproduce, the earth wouldn't be populated. If there were no social instinct, if man cared nothing for the society of one another, there would be no society. So these desires for sex relation, for material and emotional security, and for companionship are perfectly necessary and right and surely God-given. Yet, and here's the caveat, (laughs) these instincts, so necessary for our existence, often far exceed their proper functions. Powerfully, blindly, many times subtly, they drive us, dominate us, and insist upon ruling our lives. Our desire for sex, for material and emotional security, and for an important place in society often tyrannize us. When thus out of joint, man's natural desires cause him great trouble, practically all the trouble there is. No human being, however good, is exempt from these troubles. Nearly every serious emotional problem can be seen as a case of misdirected instinct. When that happens, our great natural assets, the instincts, have turned into physical and mental liabilities. But on through life, I kept trucking with my broken brain and my mental liabilities, just like the actor on page 60 of the big book and the tornado on page 82. I'm going to read that paragraph because, and I read it frequently, um, I read from this, page 82, the bottom of page 82, to the end of the book, going through the promises, and uh, 10 and 11. But I need to read this tornado paragraph to remind me that outside of working this program every day, I can whip up into an F5. The alcoholic is like a tornado roaring his way through the lives of others. Hearts are broken. Sweet relationships are dead. Affections have been uprooted. Selfish and inconsiderate habits have kept the home in turmoil. We feel a man is unthinking when he says that sobriety is enough. He is like the farmer who came up out of a cyclone cellar to find his home ruined. 
To his wife, he remarked, don't see anything the matter here, Ma. Ain't it grand? The wind stopped blowing. You know, and what's insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. But for me, these days, insanity is um, knowing that there's a solution in these steps and not taking it. That's true insanity. I find it really ironic that one of the therapy buzzwords of the day is spiraling. The tornado starts in my head with negative thinking and morbid reflection. Bill, old Bill was right all along. Bottles, or in my case, cupcakes, were but a symbol. No amount of denial or fantasy thinking could hide the truth that my step work revealed, that that fourth step revealed to me. I had no trouble doing the first two columns of my inventory because after all, um, others were more to blame. It says on page 65, and, and honestly, this was one of the first things I memorized from the big book um, when I first started this journey. The first thing apparent was that the world and its people were quite wrong. And I laugh and chuckle now because that's pretty much as far as I get. But I later did find out that although their defects, as the big book says on 83, may be glaring, chances are that our own actions are partly responsible. In my case, many times they were completely responsible. So I come to, you know, column three, and I made quick work of it because on most, um, on most forms, uh, inventory forms, it's acknowledged by an affirmation or a simple check mark. And I really think God's hand was on Bill when he wrote the big book, um, that at least I believe that, um, because he didn't dwell in, in the third column much. Not much is written about it, but he masterfully addresses that topic in the 12 and 12, and also in a grapevine article, I believe it was his last article, called Emotional Sobriety, The Last Frontier. You know, had had I lingered in the beginning, too long on the third column, I'd have gotten bogged down in analysis paralysis and never, ever gotten through the steps. I had to put the plug in the jug before I could even begin to see clearly enough to move forward. My spiritual eyes needed to adjust to the light. And more is revealed. Just keep trudging the road of happy destiny. So when I got to column four, I unearthed everything negative, that was living rent-free in my head. And I had to use a sheet um, to do this. And I had to go through each resentment with my um, sponsor and go through each thing on this sheet. And I put a little check mark. And it was funny because at the end, I, I could see patterns um, in my own behavior and thought process. And it was really, really helpful to me. And if anybody is interested afterwards, I would be happy to give my contact info and, and share that sheet with you. I'm sure many of you have it in one form or another. But it specified exactly what selfishness, self-seeking, dishonesty, and fear look like. Because I needed it. I have a rationalizing and justifying brain. And I will give broad broad brush stroke answers to all those questions. Yeah, like, um, yeah, maybe I'm that way sometimes or that really doesn't apply to me, but I have to take ownership. I cannot discard what I do not discover. I have to take ownership of my character defects and my part, you know. 
Um, so that a good sponsor really helps, you know, um, in, in this. They don't co-sign your baloney. And I don't need a friend. I need somebody that's going to tell me the truth. But it's funny. I've made a lot of friends in this program. And if you're a newcomer, you will, too. Just keep keep coming. You know, and, and I do 10 steps and 11 steps. And in, in much like the four steps, um, you know, they don't um, – they don't co-sign my denial and they help me. I can't see the picture when I'm in the frame. So um, they give, they do a lot to help me see those blind spots. So, um, you know, I work these steps and I've learned to, you know, people told me in the beginning, fake it till you make it, act as if until. And I loathed those sayings when I came in the rooms because of their phoniness. They sounded so phony, but I've learned the truth in them. Um, you know, if I want to train for a marathon, I begin by strapping on my shoes. And if I can only run down the block a little ways, I'm still taking the action of being a runner. So, you know, I've got to, I've got to um, just do it. Pretty soon, if I string together days like that, I will be running a marathon, you know. Um, more is revealed on this journey. So, you know, we all want to attack this fourth step with perfectionism. And, you know, God allows us gently to peel back the layers of our um, sickness and our um, warped thinking. And as we do that, we go on and do deeper work. Some of us do deeper work in other programs. Some of us go back and do the work as things get revealed, as memories come back. Um, we do these fourth steps. We do a deeper, deeper dive. Yes, we do our, our nightly review and our spot check inventory, but sometimes it requires going into depth over things. And it's really been a, a big help to me to um, take that same inventory sheet and go through something that really disturbs me. So um, I'm going to look at my time. Um, so anyway, I'm going to wrap up with um, just a, a thought that if you you act as if until and you're, you, you're still dejected about doing this work, encourage yourself. Um, encourage yourself with prayer. God will reveal um, these things to you if you ask. And I have a pre-inventory prayer and a post-inventory prayer. And um, I have a prayer for the individuals on my list. You know, it, it, you do heal and it takes time. So you just have to be committed to vigorously working this program. My post-inventory prayer, and I, I'm going to share it, is right out of the big book. God, please help me from... Help me to be free from anger and see that the world and its people have dominated me. Show me that the wrongdoings of others, fancied or real, has the power to kill. Help me to master my resentments by understanding that the people who wrong me are perhaps spiritually sick. Please help me show those I resent the same tolerance, pity, and patience I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Help me to see that, like me, this person is broken and sick too. Father, please show me I can be helpful to them and save me from being angry. 
Lord, help me to avoid retaliation and argument. I know I can't be helpful to all people, but show me how I can be kindly, take a kindly view to each and every one. And there are so many places in the big book. I know I'm I'm running out of time, but so many places in the big book. Um, page 13, Dr. Bob's uh, story, um, you know, that will encourage us in a body badly burned by alcohol. Um, it, they're, they're all places that encourage us to keep running the race because this doesn't happen overnight. It's a lifetime. It's part of our growth process. And I am going to leave plenty of time for other people, and I just so appreciate sharing. Thank you, Leah. Thank you so much, Lisa Jr., for sharing your experience with us. I now welcome Kathy S. from Georgia. Thanks, Leah. This is Kathy S., recovered compulsive overeater from Georgia. And um, by God, I'm here, <laughs> literally. Um, so I was um, thinking about, you know, the title of this is Coming Out of the Dark. And when I thought about what I would say for this talk, uh, which I didn't write a whole lot, it's really just from God. And the inventory process itself had such an impact on me that everyone who knows me knows that uh, the 10 step is one of my favorites. And really, it's just a, a daily reiteration of the fourth step. That's how impactful it was. Uh, I basically have a spiritual experience every time. And for that, I am so grateful for this process. So when I think about uh, living in the dark, that basically describes me it described definitely life before recovery. It can describe these moments when I need to do a 10th step. Um, the dark is where I would hide my truth. You know, I would, as a kid, I got spanked, but I would run to my room. I never wanted to let my mom know that that hurt. So I never cried in front of her. I just would push it down and run. And that became a lovely pattern. Um, as a compulsive overeater. I wasn't overweight. I would eat in, in um, when nobody was home, and I would exercise for hours at the gym or go on some very crazy diets to control things and uh, more darkness. In dark, I can't see. I'm blind. There's a lot of confusion going on in my head. I think about the dark, and it's when I bump and collide into things. I get easily hurt. And I think about life, you know, I'm constantly like what it says on page 44 and 12 and 12. It's all about a collision of instincts. Um, it can produce anything from a cold snub to a blazing revolution. And in these ways, we are in conflict with not only with ourselves, but with other people who happen to have instincts too. <laughs> and um, so when, and I think of the ways that, you know, I would try to pretty up the outside um, with, I would try to, I striped all through college, I got straight A's, I was on the dean's list, I had all these aspirations for a career, um, I had children, I always wanted, and then I got into big time body focus, um, while on the inside, life was so dark, I was just miserable, I didn't, um, let's see, I, 
I think about like, I wanted to live in the light. I wanted to be a generous, kind person, um, like my religious books urged, but I couldn't, I could not do it. Everything in me, it was just, I could just feel that evil. And I felt like I thought about too in the dark, you know, that um, opening or not opening scene, but it's one of the scenes in the little mermaid, you got those slimy souls in the bottom of Ursula's lair and they're terrified, pitiful, and they're stuck. And that, that's a perfect visual of what I felt like in the dark. Um, I was confused and blind about why I did what I did with food. Despite so many prayers and desperate pleas, I just kept doing it. I had insatiable cravings for certain foods, eating well past the point of being full, pain, tears, sleeplessness. I couldn't even see. My vision would go blurry. I could not think straight. I could barely breathe. And, um, you know, the biggest thing in the dark was all the dishonesties that would just plague me. Um, And the other thing that I think of is in the dark, I was clueless as to who God is and who I am. And the dark is thinking that I know everything. And that's basically, that's lights out, shut the door. (laughs) So um, coming into this meeting, studying the big book, learning from others what I was dealing with, the studying and finding out about the physical allergy of the body, I could totally relate to that. And then the mental obsession. Like when I ate, I couldn't stop eating. And then when I was able to stop, I couldn't stop from not starting again. And that's true powerlessness. But that, it was when the lights first started coming on. It was through the souls of, and the many spirits of recovery that I heard on this meeting that were showing me that God is the solution. Um, So this process, this was a long, dark journey of obsession on the way to concession (laughs) when the lights came on and I really conceded to my innermost self that I am a true compulsive overeater. And that's when the path really first started to illuminate for me. Um, I discovered, you know, kind of what I needed for recovery and discarded what didn't work in a food plan from a sponsor to build a support system in this fellowship and connecting every day. I had to have an open mind about God and my beliefs. And I said that set aside prayer a lot. And I still do set aside everything I think I know, because that's what keeps me in the dark for an open mind and a new experience. And the light just got brighter with each and every step. Um, The big book's description on page, I love the big book's description on page 64 of the of this process a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke which is pretty much how i was when i came into this program so taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding fact-facing process it's an effort to discover the truth about the stocking trade one object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret if the owner of the business is to be successful he cannot fool about fool himself about these values and you know that that's what it was I had to kind of keep you know I've heard a lot that it's a big scary process again keep an open mind Um, it's not a shaming process instead of humiliating I found it sorry that'd be my watch 
it's not a shaming process. And instead of humiliating, I found it humbling. And there's a difference. Um, in this process, I began with just keeping it simple. Uh, saying the set-aside prayer, I asked God to show me where was I resentful? What was I resentful of? And listed names of people, institutions, ideas, people I'm jealous of, anything that disturbed me, something I was judging, anything that was causing anxiety and taking up space, aka my concerns. Because um, I didn't have a whole lot of rage. I was more of a stuffer and I didn't really feel it. And yet I had I don't know, probably 60-something resentments after doing this step so many times. <laughs> but um, in the dark, I so often blamed myself. I told myself I was a victim. Um, and like on page 45, it says how our present anxieties and troubles we cry are caused by the behavior of other people, people who really needed to take inventory. And that's really where I started. But as it says on page 46, I was unconsciously blind to my liabilities. And, and um, as I worked this step, you know, I became real, I came to realize, like it says on page 49, that all these, these failings, um, and it talks about soul sickness, uh, it's an unreasonable fear that my instincts were not going to be satisfied, which really proved to me where my faith actually stood, what I really thought about God, that I couldn't depend on God. I didn't really think I could depend upon God alone. It's a very scary prospect. But like it says, too, at the bottom of page 49, once we have the complete willingness to take inventory and we exert ourselves to the job thoroughly, a wonderful light falls upon this foggy scene and a brand new kind of confidence is born and a sense of relief at finally facing ourselves is indescribable. And, and I can honestly say that's, that's where I stand today um, in this process. So I'm not much of a teacher, um, but I do <laughs> I have a lot of experience on this. So I figured I would share with you an example of um, an inventory that uh, has come up obviously recently. It's um, resentment and that it keeps coming up. It keeps disturbing me. So I'll share with you uh, right where I'm at, you know, speaking for 20 minutes on a meeting, especially as a special edition. I'm like, oh. so that's my situation. It affects my self-esteem, my personal relations, my sense of emotional security, and my fear. And uh, I say the sick man's prayer more toward myself um, in this situation, or maybe just towards this situation. So I'll go ahead and do that too. Just, uh, God, um, I'm spiritually sick. And, uh, but please help me show myself, and even in this circumstance, the same tolerance, pity, and patience I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. God, save me from being disturbed. Show me how I can be helpful. Thy will not mine be done. Amen. And when I look at my part, Lisa briefly mentioned there's a character defects worksheet, and that is what I used as well. Um, I looked at where am I selfish, and it has plenty of, uh, of suggestions here. Where am I selfish? I want my way. I want to look good and be liked. I'm too concerned about me and my needs. 
and I want to control how everybody thinks about me. Where am I dishonest? Everything rides on this moment in this circumstance, how I behave and what I say. So these are lies that I tell myself. I'm telling myself that my serenity and value comes from my performance and the opinions of others, that this is all about me, that I have to be perfect. Um, I'm expecting myself to be what I'm not. I'm telling myself I have the power to control everybody, (laughs) that I am God. And I'm not ready for this. I'm not qualified. I'm not enough. And I'm telling myself self-sufficiency works. This shouldn't be happening. But the truth is, I have no idea what needs to happen in order for the greater good to be the end result. And I have no idea what words I need to say either. That's all up to God. I'm telling myself that it's something that happened in my past is going to repeat itself. And my thinking about this is the reason I'm upset. Where am I self-seeking? Getting my value and security from this circumstance. And again, from my performance, not from God. I'm engaging in a lot of worry and overthinking. I'm holding myself and others hostage or the happiness and serenity hostage until this is over and comparing and despairing, you know, and I really wanted to write a script, but I refrained from doing that um, after what's coming up in what was revealed through this inventory. So my fear is I fear people's opinions and criticism. I fear talking too much and babbling. I fear freezing and not being able to speak. I fear embarrassment, that I'm not enough, that I'm, I fear being overwhelmed and expressing ideas. And what am I really afraid of? I'm really afraid of relying on God alone for my serenity and my sense of security, value, and esteem. But there's another section of this little character defects worksheet that I know thanks to one of my sponsees. This question of have I considered that this is an act of God. It's an opportunity to walk in faith, to trust that he is with me no matter what happens and I will be okay. Better than okay because I'm surrendering to his will, which has always brought me blessing and freedom. And I also offered, and I also thought about that, that have I considered that this is all about someone else out there who relates to the pain of darkness and the fear of of speaking and the fear of just stepping out people who have suffered from dishonesties like what i listed or plagued with selfishness and keep acting out in self-seeking ways that this isn't about me at all you know this is about glorifying the one who brought me out of the darkness as i saw like all these defects of character and and in later steps we asked god to remove them and um You know, I have just found that it's working. You know, the progress is crazy. So like today, I pray over everything um, and, and just invite God in. I take disturbances through this inventory process. I connect with the fellowship. Um, and my needs for intimacy are met. I've met some very good friends in this program and it, and it just gets deeper every time we discuss these inventories. Today I'm living without a mask because I'm showing my fear and and my not put togetherness, but that makes me relatable. And today I trust that my value is not gonna come from my performance. It's coming from the fact that I was born. I was born worthy. 
something I never would have thought, <laughs> you know, and, um, and I do things with a level of integrity. I do things with a level of service. I pick up trash as I see it in somebody else's yard or, or on a walk. And, and I see people. I'm not afraid of people. Um, I'm experiencing a lot of transformation. I get clarity. I get direction. And God is doing for me what I can't do for myself. Like I said, I showed up here. I don't have a script. I had no idea what I was going to say, but God did. And he's providing me the words because obviously I'm not silent. And um, I'm just, I'm so grateful because I never would have thought that, that this would be happening to me. And yet here it is. And, um, and normally I would have sabotaged this in a big way. I would have gone out to eat. I would have gotten tight at exactly the wrong time. And it didn't happen because of God's power. And um, I don't know. This is just a story. Really, my life story today is, is just introducing others to the friend that I depend upon, my, po- my power, God, who is everything. And um, I don't know. I hope that, that something I said was helpful. And I just really appreciate the opportunity, Leah, and uh, for all you who support me in this fellowship. And uh, with that, I'm just going to pass. So thank you. Thank you, Kathy S., for sharing your experience with us this morning. I now introduce panelist number three, Betsy H. from California. Thank you, Leah. I'm Betsy H., Recovered Commercial Reader in California. I really enjoyed hearing the previous shares, and I'm just going to talk a little bit more and give about step four, cleanup process, and I'm going to give some examples of my own step four, cleaning up my side of the street and finding my part, especially finding the dishonesty or the lies that I tell myself, because sometimes for me that's the hardest part to see, and that's where having a sponsor helps to find, helping me to find that. In the AA 12 and 12, it talks about these human desires that all of us have. On page 44, it says, alcoholics especially should be able to see that instinct run wild in themselves is the underlying cause of their destructive drinking, or in my case, destructive eating. We have drunk to drown feelings of fear, frustration, and depression. We have drunk to escape guilt of passions. It goes on to say we have drunk for vainglory, that we might the more enjoy foolish dreams of pomp and power. I definitely relate to that. And then I also relate to a part on page 47, AA 12 and 12, where it said, we had to drink because times were hard or times were good. We had to drink because at home we were smothered with love or got none at all. We had to drink because at work we were great successes or dismal failures. We had to drink because our our nation had won a war or lost a peace. We thought conditions drove us to drink, and when we tried to correct these conditions and found that we couldn't, to our entire satisfaction, our drinking went out of hand and we became alcoholics. 
it never occurred to us that we needed to change ourselves to meet conditions, whatever they were. I definitely relate to this. I've been a compulsive reader since I was a child, and overeating was my skill set, whether I felt good, whether I felt fearful, whether I was bored, whether I wanted to celebrate, I would go to food. And as a result, I really didn't develop good social skills or other types of skills because I would just go to that food addiction. And things went on like that. I was overweight, and I went. I actually got into program early in college. And I start. I decided to commit to the program after I heard a speaker who really had what I wanted. She was happy. She was vivacious. She was in recovery. She had a normal body weight. It, that was like the opposite of everything I had. I was like in self-hatred and misery and overweight and overeating, and I was painfully shy. And so I got motivated to get a sponsor. I became. I gave up my biggest biggest binge foods. I started working the steps, and I, I got into recovery. At that time, I, I didn't learn a very thorough way of working the steps, and I thought that I maybe just needed to work the steps once or just occasionally when I just clearly screwed up. And I found that when I didn't work those steps enough, I got really filled up with self-pity, fear, misery, emotional outbursts, anger, even though I was abstaining. And so what I found is that I really need to do these 12 steps each day in order to not have to overeat, in order, in order to um, be, have a more positive experience with life. For me, it's kind of like I have a disease mind, the food addict mind, it, which is like a corrupted operating system on my computer. And I need a technology to get a good software upgrade, software update too, so I can get into the recovery mind and so I don't have to overeat and so I can live a happier life today. And that technology is working the 12 steps while abstaining. So I'm going to give some examples here. For example, I was very unhappy at a job for many years and I felt that no one liked me. I was never going to advance. I hated the work I did. I wanted to do something different, but I felt I had no skills. I had low self-esteem. I didn't know what to do. And um, after starting to attend a Vision for You, learning how to work the steps as outlined in the big book, and uh, I became willing to let go of some additional foods that were causing me uncontrollable cravings and I was, that I had been doing strange things with. I, you know, I was working the steps, and after after a couple of years, I actually finally got a better job. And so I was so excited because I thought, this is great. Every, I was really convinced everything is going to be great if I could just get a better career, make more money, and be happy. But what I found was within within days or even weeks of starting the new job, I started having some of the same problems. I felt that the manager didn't like me. He was excluding me from my own, doing my own job. I felt that the coworkers didn't like me and were comparing me to the previous person. I didn't feel happy, I felt insecure. And so the one common factor here was actually me. It wasn't actually the external people, places, things that were the problem. There was something in me. When I'm upset about something, there is something inside of me that is the problem. And that something is fixable. 
it's not fixable by me, but it's fixable by being abstinent and working the 12 steps. And then this higher power can come in and square things away. So I, I did lots of uh, 12 inventory work around this job, and um, I found for cleaning up my part of the, of the street dishonesty. We you know what lies had I been telling myself was in those moments when I'm so upset and feeling rejected by other people and that they don't like me and that they're excluding me, um, I have actually, in my own mind, rejected my own self many times because I've had those thoughts running through my mind ahead again and again saying, I'm not good enough. Oh, I can't do this because I'm not good like those other people or I'm not intelligent like they are. So it was like, and that was really what bothered me was that I was rejecting myself. And so in a way, I was excluding myself because I was saying, oh, I'm not good enough to talk to those people. You know, I don't have the education I do or they have or whatever it was. So um, it's, like a, it's like a brain malfunction when I'm in this disease mind, this food addict mind, and these instincts run wild. The example I just gave, I would say, is kind of more like a material security instinct and an emotional security instinct run wild. And if I work these steps, I can get into a recovery mind, a computer operating sign system that works well. And where, it, where I am now is where I can deal a lot more effectively with work and other people, and um, I don't get into those negative spirals as much as before. I get into it a little bit, and then I work the 12 steps on it to come out of it. One example is my, com- my laptop computer. Sometimes the audio would completely go out, and that's the problem when you want to do Zoom conferences. How can you do Zoom conferences with no audio? And I, would, I found that there were pending software updates from Windows Update and also from the Dell Update from the computer manufacturer once I did those updates and restarted, the audio magically started working again. And then, then it happened again. The audio was gone again. I thought, oh, my God, how can I participate in my Zoom conferences? And I looked, and, oh, again, there were some Windows updates. I did the updates, restarted, and then it started working again. So basically, that is like how I am with my disease mind. I need to do some action each day on the 12 steps so that I can always be upgrading or uplifting into that recovery mind because that disease mind would tell me, oh, go eat your binge foods, <laughs> and it will feel like the best idea I've had all day. That disease mind would lead me to hurt myself with food, and it would lead me to have toxic behavior towards people. So um, here's another example of um, something from my inventory and, oh, and this was uh, recent, actually. I was annoyed with a, a relative who was staying as a house guest for an extended period of time. And I, I was annoyed that she was so negative and judgmental. I did the four-step you know, inventory process, and I would say this is my, maybe my emotional security instinct that was kind of running wild. And have I ever done anything similar was an interesting question. And the answer was, yes, actually, I haven't been negative or judgmental in the exact way 
that she was. I wasn't exactly judging the, the same thing she was. But in a different context, in a different place, I've been a very judgmental person towards others and towards myself. And also I've been a very negative person through much of my life, actually probably more negative than she was being in that moment. And really that was the problem. I really don't like that I have that in myself. But my disease mind goes so quickly to pointing the finger at her, oh, she is negative and judgmental. When I, whenever I see something outside of me, really it's pointing my attention to what is inside me. And if I'm disturbed about it, then I can just work the 12 steps on it and clean that up. Because this step four and all the 12 steps, steps four through nine, all the 12 steps, it's like a big cleanup process. And it's, it, or like a software upgrade process, you could say. Because I need that good Wi-Fi connection with my higher power. Because everything I'm doing on my own power to try to stop overeating or to try to have a happy life or to try to fix problems in life is not working on my own. I need some kind of a power that's greater than myself. And I need a good Wi-Fi connection. And, and the steps is what will give me that. They give the example in the program that if I'm pointing at someone saying, you know, like, you are negative and judgmental, there are actually three fingers, maybe even four if you count the thumb, that are pointing back at me. And I've, I found that to be true for myself. It's very humbling. It's very humbling. It's also very humbling just to have this food addiction, just to admit that I have this devastating illness. I can't, it's life-threatening. I can't even control something as simple as food. So thank God we have this technology, this treatment, which is the 12 steps, that to be able to come out of it and to live a happy life. I have another example from my inventory. I had a lot of entries on my inventory, four step, where I was jealous of successful people, successful women mostly. And this has to do with uh, the natural instinct of emotional security and also material security and also the instinct of, of wanting to have an important place in society. So I, I was uh, jealous of these successful women, and in my mind I would start judging them that, oh, they're very arrogant. They don't care about anyone. They just, all they care about is getting things for themselves. And then in many cases I gossiped with other people about them, and I would talk about the bad things that I thought that they had done. I character assassinated them. So in doing my inventory, actually I found something interesting, which was that I was having a dishonesty. I was believing something or telling myself something that actually wasn't true. In those moments when I was gossiping, I was only talking about their negative qualities. But the truth is, they have positive and negative qualities. The truth is that I was just talking about their negative qualities because I wanted to try to feel better by comparison. It didn't work, by the way. It still felt miserable. And I found that, and then about this 
uh, this part about they don't care about anyone else. They are just trying to get stuff for themselves. They're so arrogant. I felt like, oh, I really don't have that because I'm not successful like them. But then I found in a slightly different way, in a different context, I did have something like that inside myself. In those moments when I was so jealous and I was like, oh, I wish I had, I was successful like she was. I wish I was so beautiful. I wish I had a great career. I wish I had the great friends and the family. I was thinking about getting things for myself. You know, I was I was angry. I was thinking I didn't have them. But I wasn't thinking about how can I be of service to others? What can I contribute to life? I wasn't caring about others. So in that way, I found that, and, and in those moments, you know, when I was gossiping, I probably sounded arrogant to people, you know. So in a way, I had all of those defects in myself, and that's really what I didn't like. That's really what bothered me. And the good thing is that with this 12-step process, 4 through 9 especially, we can clean up those character defects so I don't have to live in that every day. Yeah, it comes back, but I get to clean it up quicker and quicker because I'm learning a new skill set in the 12 steps. The more I practice it, the easier it gets. The old skill set, the old food addict operating system is to go overeat on food in in every circumstance. And the new skill set is to put the food down and work the 12 steps all day, every day, and have a much happier life and being much more purposeful. It's not perfect, but I can be much more of use in my community and people around me. There's a quote I like in the 12 and 12, AA 12 and 12 on page 53. This is something that really never occurs to my diseased mind. And it says, we have not once sought to be one in a family, to be a friend among friends, to be a worker among workers, to be a useful member of society. Always we tried to struggle to the top of the heap or to hide beneath it. This self-centered behavior blocked a partnership relation with any one of those about us. Of true brotherhood, we had small comprehension. So that's a nice goal for me to think about being an OA member among OA members, to be a worker among workers, to be a recovered person among recovered people, to be a a family member among family members. That's more like my recovery mind, the operating system that's working well. And I'd like to just close with a quote that, I've heard in the program, I don't know who originated it with it. It's kind of devastating, but it's very liberating, and it's really true for me. And it, it, what it is is that if you spot it, you got it. And if it makes you mad, you got it bad. With that, I will pass. Thank you, Leah. Thank you, Betsy H., for your share this morning. And thanks to all the panelists for your such beautiful shares on your profound experiences with Step 4. Today's share ID for this presentation, 17,609. That's 17609. 
Contact information for Lisa J.R., Kathy S., and Betsy H. will be given at the conclusion of this recording, so stay tuned for that. We will now transition to a question and answer segment with our panelists. You can press star 1 to unmute if you'd like to ask a question, questions only. Star 1 to unmute, I mean your name, including the first letter of your last name. Bernice. Terry K. Terry K. Bernice. Yes, Bernice, your last, your initial, your last name, please, Bernice. S. S, as in Sam. Thank you. Bernice S. Terry K. Christina J. Christina J. Anyone else? Okay, let's get started with this. Hope S. Is that Hope S? Yes. Okay, very good. Thank you. Okay, let's get started. We have Bernice S., Terry K., Christina J., and Hope S. Bernice, please go ahead with your question. Hi, I'm Bernice. I'm a recovered compulsive eater from Rhode Island. Do you hear me? Yes. This is Bernice S. from Rhode Island. <laughs> Excuse me, from Rhode Island. Did you hear me? Yes, I do, Bernice. Go ahead with your question, please. Thank you. The question is, uh, first thing, I'm very grateful for everybody who spoke. Thank you. And um, the last um, speaker, I just have a question for Betsy, I think. Um, what what she said, as I understand, is you have to keep working these steps in every day, like a computer program or whatever. I want to know what I'm missing, because what I've been doing, and the food has not called for me, is every day... I do the 10th step. Um, exclude the 10th step, and um, and I sometimes I write down. I don't always write down, but then I don't even have to like. It hasn't even come up with a question, which thank God, um, you know, not to go to my, you know, um, that I'm powerless over food because it doesn't come up like it used to. So am I missing something? How are the other steps done? Does that make sense? I think I understand the question. Okay, thank like you. How, like, it sounds, like, really hard. Like, how could I work the 12 steps all day every day while being abstinent? Yeah, I thought it was just a question of work, the the, the resentment, the 10th step. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for the question. Actually, uh, I I could work all 12 steps in like 10 minutes or less. Uh, for example, I could work the first three. I could say, okay, I can't, God can, so let him. And then I could work steps four through nine by doing a 10th step and it's just like something, a skill set that we practice once we learn the skill set when we initially go through the steps, doing our fourth, fifth, six, seven, eight, nine, et cetera. And then we practice it every day. And like anything, it gets a lot easier and quicker. So I could do a quick 
10 step, it might only take like five or 10 minutes. I might be able to share it with someone right then. Um, or I might, if I was at work, I might just write it down on a little tiny piece of paper really quickly. What's my part? Where was I resentful, selfish, dishonest, afraid? I would make a quick prayer to my higher power. Then I would turn my attention to someone I could help at work. And then later I would share it. With, I would make a quick call to someone in OA and just share it with them like, okay, look, this is the resentment. Here's my part. So, so then I've worked steps one, two, and three. I've worked steps four through nine and ten. And then if I make a prayer, I've done. I've worked step eleven. And then uh, after doing this ten step, it's really key to turn my attention to someone I can help. For example, calling another OA person and just seeing how they're doing, or in some other way I could be of service. That's step twelve. So in ten minutes, I've worked all twelve steps. And I can repeat it during the day as much as I need to when I get disturbed because it's so easy for emotions to build up in me and I can get very disturbed, very angry, very fearful, very into self-pity. And this is what cleans that up so that it doesn't have to uh, catapult me into the food. And I'll pass. Thank you, Bernice S., for your question. Terry K., your turn. This is Terry K. Did you call me? I did. Okay, I just unmuted. Thank you for your service, Leah, and for the panel. Um, I'm not sure who the question is directed to because I don't recall the name, but somebody shared that um, their value comes from just being born, and that really struck me because one of my experiences in life that was the most valuable related to my recovery is that very statement. And so my question is, um, what was your experience um, that led you to that awareness that your value comes strictly from being born? And that's my question. Thank you. Thanks, Terry. This is Kathy S. I'm pretty sure that was me. And great question. Um, What brought me to that revelation was when I did my uh, inventory and continue to do those 10-step inventories, I literally took inventory. And that I had that worksheet that I talked about, you know, and under self-seeking, it says getting my value from other people's behavior. And I had more tally marks by that because I had used it with pretty much everything. Every time... um, you know, I had, my husband was a frequent flyer on my uh, inventory list. And, and a lot of it would be because I, you know, I I felt hurt um, in the way that he would respond to me or react to me or things that he would say to me. And, and I would be like, well, that's on me because I'm, I'm getting my value on his behavior. When he's upset with me, I'm telling myself through a dishonesty that I'm, I'm useless. I'm, I'm not enough. I am not whatever. And the truth is my value cannot come from another human being. It can't come from the circumstance and it can't come from my own performance because that's all part of this broken world and it will always let me down. 
So I had to continually remind myself to take that anchor um, and and pull it up from my husband, not give him all that power, um, and and put it back to God's hands, my Creator, who who as I believe, you know, just like anything, you know, He He created me. So the fact that I'm breathing today proves that I've got some kind of a purpose here, and um, and He sees me and loves me. It became a lot easier, too, when I became a mom. And just because my, you know, when my child was born, I just lost them, you know. And, and they don't have to do, they didn't have to do anything to prove themselves to me. And, um, but I think it was really, yeah, the pain that uh, all these disturbances that I had, and it was because of that belief that I, and that self-seeking habit of getting my, my value from other people and their opinions and stuff like that. And so um, it brought about that awareness. And it's something I have to remind myself every single day of where my value truly comes from. I hope that answered your question. Thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you, Terry Kay, for your question. Christina J., your turn. Hi there. This uh, question is for Kathy S., although I enjoyed everyone's share. Just beautiful, uh, in-depth analogies really shine some light on it for me in many ways. But your 10 steps are so strong, and you rely on them so much. I was wondering if you could share, do you have anything left in your 11-step review at night, and what does that look like now? And also, how you begin your day with your 11-step journey. I'd love to know those two things. Thank you so much. Thanks, Christina. Good question. And um, with my 11 step, uh, as I learned from another fellow in this program, I do put down in my nightly inventory anything that disturbed me throughout the day, even if I gave a 10 step on it. Um, just to again review what was disturbing me and looking at the defects of, uh, you know, why it was disturbing me because it, it um, sets me up for the next morning. Um, when I do my nightly review, sometimes I do it like around 7 and, and there, there might be a faithful family member who's just going to have to add a little something to that list and, um, you know, so – or you know, it's late and I'm not, I, I can't call someone to give away a 10th step. So I'll, I'll stick, you know, whatever's disturbing me there. And then in the morning, um, I do start off my day with prayer just to ask God to please direct my thinking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest and self-seeking motives. And I will look at my inventory and again, um, the nightly review and I'll see anything uh, that I need to do a 10 step on and I'll do it then. And, um, and if not, you know, I look at review those defects again and, uh, you know, where had I gone self-seeking and, and just seek God to help me to maybe practice something differently today. Um, one of my favorite ones on there is what, I think it's the question about what, what, what could I have done better? And I look at that, and that kind of becomes my intention for the day. Uh, A lot of times seeking to be of service will come up there. (laughs) And and just praying more, pausing, and and things like that. And uh, I use devotionals 
and will kind of get my thinking there. And I just, I do a lot of writing and, and sometimes I just like a free flow writing where it will come up in these little conversations with God and gratitude lists always, uh, even this morning, you know, being so scared, but just coming up with gratitude that I would be here today if it weren't for God and his power and this program. And of course this fellowship. So, um, yeah, I think that answers your question. <laughs> if not, call me. Thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks, Christina J. Hope S., your turn. Star one to unmute, Hope. Okay, can you hear me? I do. Hello, this is Hope S. Uh, this is my first time ever listening live. Vision for you. I've, I've listened to a few recordings, and I've just got to say, all three of the speakers, just I could relate to every single one. I love everything I heard. I think it's life changing for me. Um, I've been in programs since almost a year ago in September, and I've had some little spots of abstinence here and there. But I realized listening today that my problem is is I just wasn't able to get honest with myself. Um, my question is for Kathy S. The things that you talked about um, where you had your revelation and you had that daily spiritual experience, I want that. I want that so bad. I want the spiritual experience more than I want to lose the weight because I know that's what's missing in my life. So my question would be, I need. I also, I don't have a sponsor currently. I do need to find a sponsor. I know that. Um, but what what would your suggestion be to help me get there? And thanks for everything. Um, thanks, Hope, for your question. And um, yeah, the 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 um, the way to God is is by working these steps, really. And for me. Um, spiritual experience began right from the beginning with step one. I was done working. I was done striving. I was done trying all, everything I could to, to, to just beat this. And um, I just uh, surrendered, you know, and I was done. I was exhausted and out of ideas. And I, I got, I prayed about it. I asked God to please help me find a sponsor. And I reached out to someone and uh, we just started working the steps and I didn't make a big, you know, it wasn't, a, again, it wasn't about my performance. I was so done, so beat. And, um, but it really took for me to a true awareness. Um, I mentioned that about the way uh, the obsession to concession kind of idea, you know, I really had to come to some clarity about my food and and um, not play any more games and I put down anything and everything that just gave me that crazy feeling and a desire and craving for more and just I was so willing to put it down and and that right there I had I could tell a spiritual difference I had a clarity that I had never had before and an ability to focus so with the physical allergy arrested I did though had to continue working the steps in order to because steps two through 12 really help, well, they all help with the mental obsession. 
um, that's where the work is done. And I did a lot of outreach calls. I've got some very strong uh, support team with this fellowship. I listened to meetings and podcasts. I just stayed because I was, I'm a total victim of the ism, you know, which is incredibly short memory that I'm a real compulsive overeater and left to my own, I'm out of here. Um, but I, I constantly need to stay connected and, um, and learn, just seek to know God. God does not make too hard of things as it says. And, uh, yeah, that, that's really just start with entire abstinence and just soak up all the information, make outreach calls, ask other people how they did it and, uh, and get to work. It just doesn't happen on its own. There is a part of faith, you know, believing that this can happen. And I barely did, by the way, when I came in here, I was like, I don't know if it would really work, but I'll give it a shot. And all it took was that mustard seed. And God just took me through the rest of the way as he does every day. So thanks. And I pass. Thank you, Hope S., for your question. Who else has a question for our panelists this morning? Star one to unmute. Carmela G. Carmela. There was someone else I didn't catch. Kathy K. Kathy K. Karen P. Karen P. Jody E. And Jody E. Okay. Thank you. Let's start with Carmela G. Thank you so much, everyone. Everyone on the line, Leia, for your dedicated service. My name is Carmela G., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from New York. And my question is for Lisa J.R. Um, Lisa, you, you read from the book uh, that prayer um, but I didn't catch what page it was on. And my memory, I, I read the book, but I can't recall reading that. So if you have a page, I would appreciate your sharing. And thank you, all the panelists. Everyone was so helpful. Thank you. Good morning, Carmela. Thanks um, so much for your questions. Um, well, one of the, the great things about the big book is that, you know, everywhere that it says ask in almost every case, um, I've strung together prayers, um, because I, I guess it just is, you know, something I have to do because I, in my own power, um, as was shared earlier, I, I am nothing. I can't draw breath without God. I know that. So I have to vigorously, um, you know, have a vigorous prayer life in addition to working the steps. Um, so, yeah, um, I believe that was, um, I prefaced the um, seventh step around 76, 77. I've strung together, you know, all those places um, where I'm supposed to ask for direction and, um yeah, it's made it's made my life a lot simpler, and um, it's made this work a lot clearer because I'm constantly reminded that my self sufficiency in myself, I am nothing. Um, you know, 
either confess or obsess. What is my choice to be? Um, so thanks for asking that question. And if you want um, to give me a call afterwards, I can send you all my little prayer montage. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, thanks Carmela G., for your question. Kathy K., your turn. Thank you, Leia, so much for your service. Uh, this is Kathy K., recovered in Boston. Thank you to the three panelists. Uh, I thought all of you were extraordinary in sharing your experience, strength, and hope. Um, I, I am feeling a tremendous amount of humility right now because I am starting through the steps over again. After uh, many years of being in program, I decided it was time for me to to do more, go deeper, have a new experience with the steps. And I'm wondering what advice you would give to me or anyone else. I find myself doubting whether I can have a new experience or whether it will be any different than the last fourth step I did. Um, So uh, just interested in how you would guide someone who's about to start yet another fourth step. Not their first fourth step, but another fourth step. Which panelists would like to respond to Kathy's question? Uh, this is Lisa Jarre. Oh, go ahead. Oh, go that's ahead. okay. Go ahead, Lisa. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm an, I'm an older gal and, and, uh, sometimes I think, you know, certain ships have sailed. Um, but one thing I know in God's economy, he takes our messes and he makes a message out of them. And I know that sounds corny and rote, but that's the truth. And everything that we go through in this life, every Every defect of character, every stumble, every mistake, if we give it to God, you know, he can, he can turn a defect into an asset. My anger is a good example. He has taken my anger and my passion, and he's made it, he's, he's redirected my anger into a passion for this work. It is never too late, as long as we have breath, to have a new experience simply because God is going to put many, many people in our lives that that new experience is going to be necessary for them to hear it so that we can help them. Um, Leah gave me an image many, many years ago in in a share of hers that, um, you know, we hold the lantern over the text. Um, we learn as we take people through the steps, we get a fresh experience every single time, whether we're, we are the sponsee or the sponsor. And I can just speak from personal experience that the slips, the slides, the, the rebellions, the, you know, the going out, the coming back in, given to God to show us how we would be in that, it can be a mighty uh, arrow in his quiver to help some soul that's out there struggling. So 
Hope that helps. Thank you. Thanks, Kathy Kay. Karen P. Star one to unmute. Karen? Right, perhaps she had to step away. Let's go. Sorry about that. Oh, that's quite all right. Go ahead with your question. Oh, this is Karen P., uh, and thank you so much. I'm a compulsive eater um, for what I've heard. I'm so thankful. Um, yeah, I really appreciate the um, sobriety that I hear and uh, just the sober approach to the inventory taking process and the different perspectives on, on, on the solution. Um, my question is, uh, how do you surrender? That's, that's probably as simply as I can put it. And it's to anyone that would like to answer. Thank you. Who would like to respond? Hi, this is Betsy H. Yes, please. That's a great question. For me, I I don't think I've ever 100% surrendered, but I can keep practicing at it every day. Um, I'd, I would say what helps me is just to work the 12 steps because, I mean, I don't have the power on my own to be 100% surrendered. If I was 100% surrendered, I probably wouldn't really have many problems in life. <laughs> you know, I wouldn't really have fears. You know, why would I am 100% surrendered to this higher power? So I can just keep practicing it each day. I mean, I spent so many years practicing compulsive overeating, and I got really, you know, good at it. I guess you could say, you know, I knew how to hide it. I you know how to find the binge foods, how to cook the binge foods. I need knew how to try to you know, try to go on a new diet. You know, I was practicing that for years and kind of got into that routine. But now I'm practicing establishing a new re- routine, which is recovery and surrendering and you know, just taking the next action. I can, you know, I can ask for what's the next what how can I what's the next action to take and just take that next indicated action doing something to work the 12 steps and the 12 steps you know working them while being abstinent that's what that's where the magic happens and that's that's my thought on that thanks thank you Karen P for your question our final question for the morning comes from Jody E thank you Leah Thank you, everyone, so much for your shares. I'm so honored and privileged to hear you and to know some of you. Um, My question to hopefully all of you is, how do you keep up your enthusiasm and your commitment to working the 12 steps on a daily basis? Thank you. Okay, let's start from the top. Lisa J.R.? 
Hi, uh, what a great question. Um, well, I think of it this way. Um, I had a tremendous passion for food in, in, in the disease, for more. Um, I thought about it. I, I don't know if you saw um, that movie uh, about the girl that was a chess savant, but she laid in bed at night moving the chess pieces around on the ceiling. That was me. I was thinking about just obsessive thinking. How am I going to? How am I going to uh, burn off what I ate today? How am I? I was so passionate that I couldn't sleep over it. I was passionate about what I was going to eat, where I was going to go, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. I put a lot of time into the disease. Um, so God, uh, as I shared earlier, in his, in his infinitely wise way, took all that passion and redirected it to this program. I have a tremendous passion for this program, um, and I I can only give it give it to God. I can only say that God's responsible for it because I'm selfish. It, one of the miracles of this program is that God took uh, a, a terminally selfish person, and you know my judge uh, my judgmentalism. Oh my God, I was horrible. I I all those things that I did. They were things that were bad, but they don't define who I am anymore. Um, so I, I want to give time for the others, but it, you, you just have to redirect your passion, your passion for the food, for the passion for the newcomer. Um, I will never stop uh, sponsoring until I'm in the ground uh, because this program has saved my life. Thanks. Thank you. Kathy S., brief thoughts on enthusiasm? Uh, yes, thank you, Jody, for that great question. And what comes up for me is, um, in, the, in the briefest way possible, it's a craving for serenity. When I really did my inventory and I thought about what am I really, really looking for? It's that, that sense of ease and comfort. It's that sense of peace. And when I have serenity, um, I feel, you know, I, I can only have serenity when I feel like I'm loved, when I feel like I'm safe, when, um, you know, I, I fit in, you know, and, and I just am in this place of contentment. And, and I've been seeking it my entire life. I was just going through all these other, these external means, these horizontal uh, ways to get what I could only get vertically. And, um, so it's, and when that is disturbed, I, I, I just, I go do a 10th step <laughs> and it brings me right back around. It, it just sheds light on what are the lies that I'm believing that's creating the fear or the self-seeking behaviors that I'm doing that's creating disturbance in me, you know, um, who am I leaning on or depending on that is not God. And that. I can bring that up, I can see it, and then reshift, just like Lisa said, redirect my thinking. And so, yeah, in short, it's a craving for serenity that keeps me motivated um, to do what I do. So thanks, and I pass. And Betsy Yates, your, your thoughts on enthusiasm? Yeah, thank you for the question. I think what helps me is to keep talking to other OAs and helping them to work the steps and then be in meetings um, because we always 
we talk about a lot, you know, our disease is progressive. It's probably getting a lot worse, you know, my disease, even even though I'm in recovery. Uh, but then also my recovery can be progressive, and I, I need the, my recovery to be progressive. And it's infinite. You know, I can keep working the steps, and then it's kind of like a big cleanup process. It's it's There's some discomfort. It can be very uncomfortable sometimes, but then – like if you like if I'm doing a big cleanup job, but then afterwards I feel much better. So I think just kind of keeping in touch with people and and taking some actions each day is what seems to be helpful for me now. Thanks. Thank you, Jody E, for the question. Of course, thank you so much, Lisa J R, Kathy S and Betsy H. for giving so much of yourselves this morning, sharing your personal experience and personal insights, profound experiences with the work of Step 4. Truly extraordinary shares and very helpful, I'm sure, to many. The share ID for today, 17,609. That's 17609. And we're going to close now. From page 164, you'll notice it's in a chapter entitled A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.